Welcome to Parallel Church, one church in five physical locations. So let's welcome everyone that's joining us today in Tabor with Pastor Renee and Jill. Welcome Tabor. Come on, give them a hand. Welcome Claire's home with Pastor Brian and Heidi. Welcome to Okotoks with Pastor Joel and Tanisha. Welcome Lloyd Mister with Pastor Mike and Kara. Welcome Lethbridge. And welcome all of you joining us online, wherever you're joining around the world. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Welcome to part three of our series, uh, Rethink, Deconstructing Modern Christianity. And yeah, we've been looking in this series. If you haven't, if you've missed the last couple of weeks, really encourage you to go back and kind of take a look at that. We've been looking at the whole idea that deconstruction is not necessarily a negative thing, that there's some things uh, that... We need to rethink or deconstruct something that we've had preconceived ideas of or that we've thought our entire, one way our entire lives and then all of a sudden came to realize that, well, it's not, either not necessarily true or it's not the whole truth or, or whatever that might be, that there's some things we just need to rethink and take a look at and be, be bold enough to investigate and define the truth. I believe to the core of my being that there is a truth, that there's not perceived truth, that there is a truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, the life. And I know society tries to tell us that there's your truth and there's my truth and there's all this kind of stuff, but can you imagine how confusing that is? Come on, there's, there's a truth, and we are in, in pursuit of that truth. And we're even willing to look. I'm, I'm willing to look. You're here, so that means you're willing to look. <laughs> I'm willing to look at what I've preconceived that truth to be. And that I was raised in the church and had ideas of what church was or what Christianity was. And have come through, through lots of study and, and digging into specifically church history. Come to understand that there's some things that I need to rethink and look at. In particular... Things I need to look at in regards to even that word church and what it means. And that church isn't necessarily an institution. That Jesus never said, I'm going to build my institution or my synagogue or my temple or my, my network of synagogues or temples. Jesus didn't say, I'm going to build the institution or an organization. He said, I'm going to build my ecclesia, which as we've learned is, is different than the institution. It's wherever two or three are gathered there he is in the midst. And that our preconceived ideas of the institution kind of, kind of makes us look at a bunch of scriptures differently, doesn't it? It kind, of, it kind of sheds light on verses just like this one. Jesus said this, after he had died and after he had rose again and he's gathered, he's about to ascend into heaven and he's, he's gathered a group and, and some estimate around 500 were probably at, you know, in his, at his ascension and, and, and all of that. And they, it's, he said this to that group. He said, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Now, I've heard this verse a thousand times. And if you've been in church for any length of time, you've heard this verse multiple times. Uh, you know, this is, this is the Great Commission as it's commonly called, or, or it's the great mission of the church, Jesus says, therefore, go and make disciples. And it's something that puts a call on all of us. And in fact, I'd be bold enough to say that, I, I, you know, conversations that I've had with, with many of you, conversations that I've had with other Christians, that every single one of us at one point, especially when we first become believers and we get, you know, 
madly in love with Jesus and we come to the revelation of who Jesus is and this whole truth, that we, all of us, feel this pull toward ministry, that we feel pulled to, to, to ministry. Anybody want to admit and saying that at some point in your life or your Christian life that you feel this call or this pull toward ministry of some, some kind? And, and probably, if you're like most people, that we like to disqualify ourselves, that we kind of talk ourselves out of it. And we say things like, well, I feel called to ministry, but I don't like speaking in front of people, and so therefore I could never be a pastor. I know that one because that was mine. I, was, I played music in front of thousands of people and toured and did all that kind of stuff and could stand in front of thousands of people and, and do that as a musician with a bass guitar and, and, and you know, long hair. I, I did have hair once. Um, <laughs> and, and I could I had all the fun, but then even if the the head of our band, the leader of our band, the lead singer would say, hey, Kelly, why don't you introduce the band tonight? <laughs> nope. Not a chance. I'd forget all your names. I, I would like, I had no, I would not, I would freeze in front of people. I was once asked to, to, to lead out in prayer in a, in a small group gathering of five people, and I froze on the spot. I couldn't do it. There's no way. God could never call me. God could never use me because I can't speak in front of people. <laughs> He makes a way where there is no way. Come on. There's, there's ways to, there's, God does it. But what, you, that might be your disqualification. Or you might be thinking, well, that's not, yeah, I know I'm called to ministry. I just, I don't know. There's, I don't have the opportunities. And listen, we, we view this idea of ministry as, as being what happens inside the institution or inside the organization or inside the synagogue. And where there's only a limited number of people who could ever fulfill full-time ministry, as we call it, or fulfill ministry if it happens just within an institution that meets once a week. Come on. There's only a handful that could ever be called to that, but yet Jesus wasn't speaking just to his 12 when he said, therefore, go and make disciples. He was speaking to all. And in fact, the English language kind of minimizes what the power of what this verse is. The, the English language says, therefore, go. But that word go, the way Jesus spoke it out, that word go actually means as you are going or in your going. So he says, therefore, in your going to work, in your going to school, in your going around your neighborhood, in your going to, to the mall, in your going make followers, make disciples, and then, look at what's the next word after that? Of all nations. I always interpreted this scripture, therefore go, those who are called to ministry, make disciples in all nations. That we are to make a whole bunch of followers in every nation around the world and that we could, we're on mission to do that and we can, we can make disciples in all nations. But Jesus had a, had a different idea. Jesus had an idea of going and making disciples not in nations, but of nations. Jesus thought exponentially larger, didn't he? That he actually thought, he actually thought that this group, this small band of, of uneducated you know, fishermen, and tax collectors, and, and zealots, all the rest of it, could actually transform nations. Not, not just make disciples in all nations, but transform entire nations. And the, the fact that Jesus didn't make this as the gentle suggestion, or you know, the, the, 
this is not the great suggestion or the great idea that this is the great commission, that this is the mission of the church, means that his expectation of all of us is that we're not supposed to make disciples in Lethbridge. We're supposed to make disciples of Lethbridge, Alberta, Canada. That's different. And you know what's crazy? What's crazy is that the people that were standing there listening to him when he said these words did just that. In fact, we read it last week in Acts 19, verse 10. It says, after two years, the entire province of Asia heard the gospel. After two years. Two years. Come on. They didn't have the internet, social media, the ability to stream anywhere around the world like we are right now. They didn't have any of that technology, and yet they transformed an entire region in two years. Now, if Jesus, if Jesus gives a command like this, it means it's possible. Because he's not going to say something and speak something out that's impossible. And if he, if he gave this command to those listening there, this is at the end of his three years of ministry. I'm thinking that somewhere along the way, he's trained them in the ability to make disciples of Entire nations. How did he do that? Well, I'm glad you asked. <laughs> Luke chapter 10. If you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to Luke chapter 10. And notice it's Luke chapter 10. This is not Luke, the end of the book of Luke. This is, this is somewhere in the middle. This is not the end of Jesus' ministry. This is somewhere at the beginning or even in the middle. And Jesus does something very interesting. Look at this, verse 1. Luke chapter 10, it says, After this... The Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. What's interesting is it says after this, and I will, in, the next, in two weeks from now, I will share what happened before this event and, and tie all this, that together because the, that word after this is tying in something that just happened. We'll, we'll focus on that in a couple weeks. But it's interesting to me that Jesus appointed 72. It's interesting because he didn't appoint the, only the 12 called. He appointed 72. Okay, And it's also interesting to me that he sent them out by how many? He sent them out two by two. And we've learned already that an ecclesia is, requires a minimum amount of how many is wherever... Two, or three are gathered, there he is in the midst. That Jesus intentionally sent them out in little ecclesias, 36 of them, sent them out, not one by one, not 12 by 12, not 72 as one group. He sent them out two by two. Okay? And then he gives them instruction of what to do. And in that, he's given them instruction. Therefore, as you go, in your going... Make disciples, that was his instruction. But he taught them how in their going to make disciples of an entire region or nation. This is what his instruction was. He told them, verse 2, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. So the first thing Jesus says is, okay, before you go, number one, pray. Pray. So as you are going to work, 
as you are going to your neighborhood, as you are going to school, as you're going to the mall, as, as you're going, pray. And then Jesus teaches them what to pray. He says, as you're going, pray for the workers of the harvest. He's, he's like, there's a harvest that's plentiful. There's, the harvest is out there. It's, it's amazing. It's ripe. It's ready to be taken. He says, but pray for the, the workers. So as you're going to work, pray. God, show me another Christian. Help us to become an ecclesia. Help us, like whatever it might be, show me an opportunity. But as you're going, number one, pray. And then he says, he says, uh, verse 3, Go, I am sending you out like lambs among wolves. Do not take a purse or bag or sandals, and do not greet anyone on the road. There's a very strict purpose for this. And when you enter a house, first say, peace to this house. So number one, Jesus says, as you're going or in your going, Pray, then secondly, say peace to this house or speak blessings over this house or speak well of. Man, I could park just here for a second. Okay? So as you're going to work, first pray for the opportunity. Pray for other Christians that are at the work. And then secondly, speak well of. We could just stop right there, right? Because Why? Because you cannot reach whom you criticize. So as you're going about your, your work, as you're going to work, as you're going to school, as you're going to the mall, as you're going throughout your city, as you're going throughout your province, as you're going throughout your nation, if we're to make disciples of all nations, we have to first pray. Secondly, we need to speak well of And you know, Jesus is pretty smart. Jesus is a genius. Because in these, just these first two instructions, you know what Jesus is doing? Jesus is saying, if you pray for somebody and you speak well of them, it is going to change your heart toward them. Right? And when your heart ch- ch- turns towards them and changes towards them, you're going to have more opportunity for conversations, more opportunity than ever before. Because just not because of anything that they've done differently, but because you see them differently. Come on, church. If we as Christians could just do this, just those two things, pray, speak well of, Then he goes on, he says, when you enter a house, first say peace to this house. And then he says, if a man of peace is there, your peace will rest on him. If not, it will return to you. In other words, not everyone you speak well of is going to speak well of you in return. (laughs) Hello. Right? Not everyone you speak well of, not everyone you bless is going to bless you in return. He's like, okay, that's, that's all right. But he says, if you get that blessing back, if you see that, if you see interaction back, if you see welcomeness back, then he says this. He says, stay in that house, eating and drinking whatever they give you, for the worker deserves his wages. Do not move around from house to house. And when you enter a town and you are welcomed, eat what is set before you. Twice he says, eat. That's a great time to say amen. Come on, church. But watch. See, when we say, when we say eat what's set before you, Unless you've got a gluten allergy. Okay? You don't have, 
you don't think about that much, do you? You don't think about, what, you know, I'm, I'm on a diet, I'm sorry, I can't. You don't think about, but come on. In this day and age, the Jewish, hey, Jewish people, whom Jesus was a Jew, the 72 were all Jews. You know what, you, when, they, when Jesus says, eat what is put before you into the areas that they were going in weren't all Jewish areas. And he says, eat whatever they put before you. You know what Jesus is saying? Hey, there's going to be some things that might violate the law of which is going to violate your conscience of what you've been raised in. But there's something more important than the law. And what's more important than the law is relationship. And he says, don't put your convictions on somebody else. Come on. But eat what is put before you. Take what's put before you. Why? And then stay in that house. Why? Because Jesus is saying, hey, first pray. Second, speak well of. Thirdly, build relationship. And if you reject, come on, come on. We as Christians, we have this conscience that's up here. And we impose oftentimes, do we not? impose our conscience or our rules on somebody else all the time. And the moment we do that, what happens? Relationship is we, we automatically are communicating, I don't accept you because you don't believe like me. Yet Jesus not only instructed them to do this, but Jesus modeled this. How did Jesus model this? Jesus modeled this by having dinner at Zacchaeus' a tax collector, a rejected tax collector. He, he modeled by having dinner at his house, which was an endorsement that, that I accept you, I don't condemn you, I am your friend. I'm eating in your house, I am your friend. And by doing that, Jesus was... was taking a risk for his own reputation. But he said to Zacchaeus in that moment that my relationship with you is more important than, than my opinion of what you do or how you do it. So Jesus' instructions to them is, <laughs> this is Kelly's version, pray, speak well of, don't be weird. And build relationship. Eat what they eat. Drink what they drink. Don't do anything to jeopardize the relationship. Interesting. Then he goes on and he says, eat what is set before you. Then he says, heal the sick who are there and tell them the kingdom of God is near you. It's interesting. Jesus says, pray, speak well, bless them, fellowship with them. And then fourthly, he says, minister to their felt needs. In other words, look, at the, the progression is amazing. And it's not incredibly complicated, is it? <laughs> this is how to win friends and influence people. If you've read that book, this is like, this is, this is how to win friends and influence people. What he's saying is, hey, pray for them. Bless them. Speak well of them. 
have a relationship with them well enough that you can invite them to your home and have a meal with them and eat with them. There's a level of relationship there. And then build that relationship so deep that they begin to share their felt needs. And when they share their felt needs with you, meet that need. Like, oh, come on. My city care is not the institution's job. It's not, it's not the organization's job. It's not something that we can just throw a few bucks at and say we did our job. My city care is, happens at your workplace. When you build relationship enough with somebody and somebody says, man, I'm really struggling with. And you have the ability to meet that need on the spot or find a way to meet that need. And then Jesus says, hey, meet that need, fourthly. And then fifthly says, and then tell them. Pray for them. Speak well of them. Hang out with them. That's why Jesus said, stay in that house. Stay there to build a relationship. Find out their felt need. Meet that felt need. And then, and then, and then, he says, Tell them the kingdom of God is near. He didn't even say, tell them all of the law and the prophets. Tell them all about the plan of salvation. He says, no, tell them the kingdom of God is near. In other words, what is Jesus instructing them to tell them? Saying, hey, we met a guy. We met a guy that you need to meet. See, sometimes we disqualify ourselves from ministry because we think, I don't know what to say. I don't, know how to, I don't know how to preach. I don't know how to say the right things. I don't know all the scriptures to say. I don't know how to lead someone to Jesus. But all you, need, you know how you need lead someone to Jesus? You pray for them. You speak well of them. You, you build relationship with them. And then you meet some of their felt needs. And then you say, and they're looking at you and going, why are you so nice? Why are you doing this? And you say, I met a guy. who changed me. And I think he could change you and help you too. But if we, come on, come on, this is where we as Christians get weird sometimes. Come on, we, we put the order of this out of whack, right? We tell somebody what they're doing wrong first. You're not supposed to eat that. Come on, this is, this is scripture to proof that we're supposed to eat bacon. <laughs> eat what is set before you. Amen. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Come on. But come on, we, we impose our, our conscience. We impose our ideals on people before we've built a relationship with them. And they wonder why we think that we're, like, we're weird. Come on. I can't do that because I'm a Christian. I can't say that because I'm a Christian. I can't do that because I'm a Christian. Uh, all the rest, and we're, we're yeah, I'm, I'm just, I've got a conscience. Yeah, no, no. That's all good, but not at the sacrifice of a relationship. Is this making sense? So five things. Look at your note taker. Write these five things down. Pray, bless, fellowship, minister. And then tell. Wow. And the result, look at the result. This, this is what's amazing. The result, verse 17, 
says it's the 72 returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submitted to us in your name. In other words, man, we just walked into a house and we ate a meal and all of a sudden, like demons were coming out, like things changed. We hadn't even told them anything yet. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden, we can't even explain it, but we, like, you're, we're looking for some big complex miracle crusade, some big tent meeting, some big revival, some big event to happen. And Jesus has said, hey, go buy twos, hang out at somebody's house, eat with them, speak well of them, and man, meet some of their felt needs and tell them. And they come back and going, we did that? And even demons flee. We saw miracles, Jesus. We saw miracles like you do. There's, this isn't hard. You can almost hear this in their voice. Like, we even, even the demons, like, we, we heal the sick and even demons flee. Right? And, the, and look at Jesus' response. He replied, Jesus replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I'm going to explain what he meant by that, that statement in a couple of weeks. But let me just sum it up really quickly for you. What Jesus is speaking of, and I'll, I'll explain where this comes from and why this is all, how all this ties in. But basically what Jesus is saying is that the entire region just got transformed. And we don't know how long the 72 were out there. But I, he told them not to take sandals, not to take any supplies. Not, it, it's not very long. A week? Two weeks, a month at most, I don't know. We don't know how long they're out there. But in that time, in that time, an entire region got transformed with the gospel of Jesus Christ. In, in a short period of time, not because there's some big, complex, weird, wacky, great preacher, great revivalist that came in, some big thing. No, because people prayed, ecclesias went out and prayed, spoke well of people hung out in their homes, ate with them, met their felt needs, and then told them the kingdom is near. And Jesus said, I saw an entire region transformed. Go into all the world as you're going. Make disciples of entire regions. They didn't ask how. He taught them how. And then look at this. This, this is amazing. Verse 21. It says this, at that time... Jesus, full of joy, through the Holy Spirit, said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven, because you have hidden these things from wise and learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this is for your good pleasure. Watch what Jesus said. It's, this is the only time that I can find in, in the time that Jesus spent on earth that, it's, that it, they describe Jesus being full of joy. This is, this is Dr. Luke writing this, being transcribed by Peter. And Peter's probably sitting down and going and describing how Jesus reacted. And, and Luke's trying to, to write it. And all that Luke can write is he was full of joy in the Holy Spirit. That's all he can describe. Like, this is not just a little bit happy. This is not a high five smile. This is Jesus was full, like, like full of joy. I don't know what he did or how he did it, but all I, it, full of joy in the Holy Spirit. I don't know how many of you were in the church in the 90s, but I've seen people full of joy and I, only in the Holy Spirit. And I've seen that, and it's, it's not normal. It's weird. Like, the, 
like uncontrollable laughter, rolling around, like full of joy in the Holy Spirit. I don't know what Jesus was doing or how he did, but they described it as full of joy in the Holy Spirit. It's the only time that it says that Jesus was full of joy. Why was Jesus so excited? Why was he so full of joy? You know why he was so excited? He explains. He says, because, because little children, and the disciples are going, did you just insult us? But Jesus is saying this. He says the ministry, the work, the, the ministry, the ministry is not done by the Bible school educated theologians that degreed, the, and I have nothing against school, and I'm educated, and I have degrees. I, the, he's not saying that's who's called to ministry. He says even the unlearned, even, even all of them, this, Jesus is celebrating in full joy because this worked. This transformed an entire region. And it wasn't done by theologians, and it wasn't done by revivalists, and it wasn't done by the so-called pastors or, or uh, from the institution. It was done when two-by-twos went out. <laughs> Prayed, blessed, ate meals with, met felt needs, and said, hey, the kingdom is near. And I'm thinking, I'm just, I'm thinking, if we get this, church, if we get this, if we do this, if you go to work tomorrow and on your way to work, you just pray. What, I, don't know, I don't know how to pray. I don't know what to pray. Just say, God help is a great prayer. Just God, God help. Just pray, God give me an opportunity. To have a conversation today with somebody, God, just be with me today. Just pray. And then speak well of your boss. Pastor Kelly, you don't know my boss. He didn't put conditions on it. It said, speak well of. But you don't know what he said, just speak well of. Speak well of your coworkers. Speak well of your city. Speak well of, of our province, of our nation. Come on. Speak well of. And then build relationship. And then build a close enough relationship that people begin to share some of their struggles, some of their hurts, some of their lack. And then do something about it. So when Paul wrote this, we looked at this verse last week, and I'll close with this. He gave some as apostles, some as prophets, some as evangelists, some as pastors, some as teachers. Always read it, always understood it as part of the institution, is that there's some, there's only some that are called to ministry, the apostles, the pastors, evangelists, pastors, teachers. And their job is to do the work of the ministry. That's not what this verse says. He says he gave some as a gift to the church. He gave some to do what? To equip, to skill develop all the saints all the ecclesias to do the work of the ministry, to equip, to skill develop. Just like Jesus did. Jesus equipped and skill developed, two by two, sent them out. And the impact transformed a region. The combined efforts of 36 ecclesias brought transformation to a region. And listen to me carefully. The work of the ministry is more than just witnessing about Jesus. Because a lot of us disqualify ourselves because we're like, I don't know how to be a witness. I don't know what to say. I don't know the right words. I don't know the Bible well enough. I can't, I can't do that. 
but you can pray, you can speak well of, you can build relationship, you can meet felt needs, and then you can simply tell them, hey, I met a guy, <laughs> he's helped me. But ministry is more than just witnessing, it's about transforming your workplace, your neighborhood, our city, our region. Today's takeaway simply this is ministry means more than just being a witness. It means bringing transformation to a city or region. To Jesus and as followed through by the disciples and, and the early church, ministry is more than just teaching or standing guard for righteousness. I have to say that. Come on, come on. Some, today's church, we think that our job is to stand guard for righteousness in our nation. But we stand guard for righteousness. That's, that may be true. But standing guard for righteousness, putting those five things out of order, doesn't transform a nation. Because you can't stand guard for righteousness to people you have no relationship with. It's more than, ministry is more than just saying the right things, standing guard for us. It's about helping the weak. It's about transforming society. And it starts with your workplace, with your school, with your neighborhood. It starts with the relationships you already have. Imagine, imagine, imagine. He sent out 72. There's way more than 72 in this room. Imagine. we all accepted the call to ministry that we felt at one point or another. Imagine. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for your word. And Lord, I, I pray right now for everyone in earshot of my voice. Every believer, Lord, as you instructed, I pray for the workers of the harvest. I pray, Father, this week that you would create opportunities for conversations in and around them. Lord God, you create opportunities for them to hear about a, a felt need and be able to do something about it. Lord, I pray that you give them the wisdom to know what to do, the courage to be able to do it and follow through. And Lord, I look forward as... Jesus, you must have waiting for the 72 to come back and begin reporting what they saw. The results. Lord, we accept your call that in our going, we will make disciples of Lethbridge, of Alberta, of Canada, of every nation and city represented by those watching online. In Jesus' name. you're here today and you don't yet have a relationship with Jesus it's not as complicated as some make it out to be all you need to do to begin a relationship with Jesus according to Paul in the book of Romans chapter 10 he says all you need to do to begin a relationship with Jesus is confess with your mouth that Jesus is God we're going to do that right now in a prayer I'll lead you in 
And if you believe in your heart that Jesus rose again from the dead, you will be saved. So I'm going to lead us all in a prayer. If you've never prayed this prayer before, I encourage you to pray with all your heart and your meaning. Right now, right here in this moment, you can begin relationship with Jesus. It's not joining the institution at all. It's not joining church at all. It's a relationship with Jesus. Let's pray this together. Everyone repeat this after me. If you're watching online, pray with me where you're watching from. Everyone repeat this after me. Dear Jesus, I confess that you are God. And I believe that you rose again from the dead. And I ask you right now to become my God, my Lord and Savior, and my friend. Thank you for forgiving me of all my wrongs, for accepting me just as I am. I give my heart to you in Jesus' name.